What up, what up, what up? Welcome in to another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of this podcast, the one and only, Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? <laughs> Dude, it's so funny whenever you do your what up, what up, what up, because sometimes you're like this far away from the mic, and then other times you're super close on the mic and sometimes you just go for it and you yell and i feel like today i'm gonna have to do some serious audio editing to make that thing yeah not just like bust into somebody's ear to start the pod but maybe that's a good thing it'll wake them up in the morning when they listen to it you know well it's about you know you gotta set a tone you gotta have a tone setter just like we talk about in you know in basketball you gotta have someone that, that's bringing the energy setting the tone let you know what you're gonna get on on this podcast and you're right though it is funny i i do have a split second each time before I go into the what up, what up, where I think about how I'm going to approach it. And then half the time I try to actually not even look at the screen because I see your face and it makes me want to start laughing. And halfway through this one, I caught a glance and I was like, Oh wait, this is why I don't look. Cause even after, I don't know how many times have I said, what up, what up, what up at this point, I don't know, hundred plus times, you know, doing this show, maybe even more than that 150 you know, you still get this kind of poop-eaten grin on your face. That's me cleaning it up for the folks out there. I think I uh, accidentally may have let one slip last episode. But your poop-eaten grin on your face when I'm looking down. And so I just have to not look at it. And so sometimes I think that plays with the level that my the volume takes is how much I'm thinking about what I'm saying versus how much I'm thinking about just not looking at you. <laughs> well, so, sometimes when you're trying to suppress a laugh, I feel like just in general, all human beings, not just you, when you're trying to suppress a laugh, your voice comes out a little bit louder than you expect it to. Um, and you already have a very, very loud voice. Booming. I think that used to be a DJ Khaled thing. Booming over here, as the voices will be. So with this, today, Greg and I are going to get into a full preview podcast today. Get everybody set for the Celtics and Warriors, the rematch to the rematch of the 2022 NBA Finals that everyone is looking forward to. Uh, one quick note here, uh, Celtics, former Celtics coach and player Chris Ford did pass away today. So we won't really be addressing that too much on this podcast, but if you are looking for more coverage, go on over to Celtics blog. They will have you covered to fill you in on that. But for the Celtics, taking on the Golden State Warriors tonight, let's start here. Celtics are coming into this game riding a seven-game win streak. First place in the Eastern Conference, 33 and 12. As we talked about in our last show, starting to build a little bit of a gap between them and some of the other teams in the East. Now with a four-game lead on Milwaukee, four and a half on the Sixers, five on both Brooklyn and Cleveland. For the Warriors, bit of a little different story, and this is kind of interesting. So they're right at 500. Steph Curry was out for uh, a handful of games here and just came back four games back, dropped 41 in his last game against the Wizards. We plenty rested, but at 22 and 22, Greg, they sit sixth in the West. They're only three games out of fourth, but also only two games out of being 13th place in the West, which Mm -hmm. if we're, if we're keeping track here, that's three places out of the play in. So a really, really tight Western conference, Before we get into some of the specifics with this game, just where are your thoughts on the Warriors right now as they're sitting at that 22 and 22 mark? Just look at their splits, the home and away splits, I think 
tells the biggest story with that team. They're 17 and five at home and five and 17 on the road. I think that's, is that right? I think the math, you got that, that right. Yeah. That equals out to 22 to 20 22. Um, so they're clearly capable of playing at an elite level right now. It seems like that home crowd is getting them through the doldrums of the regular season. And when they go on the road for whatever reason, they're just not really bringing it. So that does bode well for this game that is in Boston, that the Warriors are five and 17 on the road. But in general, man, I, I don't put too much stock into the regular season for the Warriors. Um, you, you know, that that's a team that has the finals pedigree and they're going to be able to turn it on in the playoffs when they have their full complement of players. Their starting lineup is still the top-rated lineup in the NBA. So I, I'm i not worried about the Warriors finding it, which means I am worried about the Warriors. <laughs> right? When you, when you least expect it, when you let your guard down, that's when they kind of attack. And the Warriors have reached that status of, you know— when the Patriots were at the peak of their dynasty and everyone, so when someone would say, is this the end? You know, there's that famous clip of, you know, whether it's Max Kellerman or Trent Dilfer saying that Brady's done. And then you can find the stats of Brady's won three or four Super Bowls and been to four or five since those statements were made. And, you know, that's kind of where the Warriors find themselves in. They're in that elite category of they know who they are. They don't need to show anybody or prove anything, you know, in mid-January to say that they're titles contenders. And, you know, that gets back to even last year where I brought up that stat a lot about, you know, over the last decade plus, the majority of NBA finals teams are going to be top 10 in defensive and offensive rating Mm -hmm. in the regular season. And you can use that to project ahead. Now, last year with the Warriors, you couldn't do that because that five-man lineup that you just talked about, which still holds the best net rating in the league this year of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins, you know, that didn't have a chance to play together until the playoffs last year. And of course, then they go on that run. And this year, now you're seeing in over 300 minutes, they have a 19.1 net rating. That puts them almost two full points above the Denver Nuggets top five man lineup in second place. So there's a sizable gap when you have those five. It's when one of those five really come off the floor, specifically Steph Curry, that you kind of have to then figure out. But if those five guys are there, there's no reason that this team isn't going to be a threat in the West. And right now, where would you rank them? Would you say that they're still would they be right now your top pick? to come out of the West or would you have some reservations and obviously they're going to be near the top, but would you say they're the number one choice to come out of the West for you? No, I still think it's the nuggets. You know, we talked about it a few pods mm-hmm. ago. I think we both picked the nuggets at the regular season. I may have picked the warriors, but I think I picked the nuggets. Um, I just think the way that that team is constructed, I, I, that team being the nuggets, I don't see many teams being able to handle them in a seven game series, just because of the Jokic problem. They're going to be able to get a bucket in crunch time, literally any time. So when it comes down to it, going up against the nuggets, like in crunch time, no one's going to have a better offense in them. Their defense. I think, although they have Jokic, who isn't as good of a defender as the advanced uh, metrics are going to tell you, they do have a lot of good defenders on that team, and they have mm-hmm. the types of defenders that I think are made for the playoffs. They have a bunch of switchable guys that can fight over screens. Bruce Brown can fight over screens. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I think, is one of the best screen navigators in the entire NBA. And then you got Aaron Gordon, who obviously is a great defender. And you know, you just got these guys that are you're going to be able to 
put out there and shut down a majority of the other team's best players. And then when you add Jokic to the mix, I, that's why I think the Nuggets are the number one contender out there in the West. But I just think the Warriors, they they have to be second. Um, I, I think the pedigree takes them right up there above, uh, you know, above the Grizzlies, definitely above the Clippers, the Kings, and all those teams that are mm-hmm. kind of hovering around the play-in. And then I'm forgetting one team, the Pelicans, right? So yeah. I think I would put them over the Pelicans, although the Pelicans still terrify me with, with their length. Yeah, the Pelicans are definitely an interesting case. And, you know, that's, that's not the topic for for today. But but I'm with you. I think it's the Warriors, Grizzlies, and Nuggets for me when I look at the West. One of those three teams will represent the West. If, mm-hmm. you know, as long as they're close to being as healthy as possible, I think it's one of those three teams. And like you said, the Warriors have that pedigree. And a big part of that has been, you know, since the last time the Celtics and Warriors hooked up in December, which was definitely a disappointing effort and was part of that Celtics losing uh, five out of six game stretch in which things felt like they could get a little bit, a little bit iffy. Obviously, the Celtics have kind of turned the tide on that. But in that game, and this was right after you and I did, hey, who are the best duos in the NBA? By the way, for our opinion, go check our Twitter feed. Go check our Instagram out. That will tell you who we think the best duo is. And our TikTok. And our TikTok. That's right. That's right. TikTok's kind of popping these days, man. We've got a couple videos that are around a thousand. Hey, I haven't checked it in a minute. Have you been doing it or have we uh, have we outsourced that? So the the videos themselves have been outsourced, but I've been the one uploading them. All right. So it's a it's a partnership that we've got Shout going out to our guy, Mark. on our TikTok. Shout out to you, man. At Green MB Pod. You can find us across all three of those social medias. Uh, but with Clay Thompson in that game in December. You know, we had kind of overlooked the Warriors in our duo list because we didn't really know what we were getting from Clay. We even I even threw out there: is Clay still the duo partner for Steph mm-hmm. Curry, or maybe it's mm-hmm. Wiggins? Now, in that game, he goes off for thirty-four points, and so here's been Clay pre and post those games. So before the Boston game in December, Clay was averaging eighteen points on thirty-nine percent from the field, thirty-nine percent from three, and eighty-six percent from the free throw line. In the 13 games that he's played in since the Boston game, he's averaging over 25 points, 45% from the field, 40% from three, and 93% from the free throw line. Looking a lot more like Klay Thompson. Now, the defense isn't quite there, but that's what Andrew Wiggins is for. That's why the Warriors went out and got Wiggins and have him and extended him you know, with that contract. And so Klay offensively getting back up to par that's something that's pretty scary for not just the Celtics in this game, but for, but for the league in general. Yeah. Clay Thompson's a problem, man. I mean, it's, it's so exciting because Clay's one of our favorite players. You know, we love the warriors. That's the, the dirty little secret of this podcast is the warriors have been like you and I's favorite other team other than the Celtics for a decade now. You know, we we love Steph when he was in college. Um, Clay is just a fun guy to root for. Draymond's the only guy that's like, unlikable but he's but he's there marcus you know what yeah, i mean he is exactly. so so it was easy to to rationalize that and typically when they were in all these finals you know the celtics were the losers in a lot of those eastern conference finals to lebron so it also made it like a vested rooting interest like man i want somebody to beat lebron who yeah. just also beat the celtics exactly exactly so now it's kind of weird because i'm starting to hate the warriors a little bit <laughs> you know because they beat us in the finals and they're they're, you know, they're doing what championship teams do, like the Celtics in, what was it, 2011 or 2012, where we just weren't really playing well in the regular season. We thought we could turn it on. And uh, that's kind of what the Warriors remind me of. You know, they're kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. 
And when you watch them play, it's like, man, why, why do you have to play good against us? You don't play good against most other teams. So why are you playing good against us? And they're just turning it on for these matchups. Same thing with the Miami Heat. Although Miami Heat haven't won anything, they turn it on whenever they play the Celtics. It's these certain teams that really understand the gravity of the moment. And the Warriors are one of those teams, man. But back to Clay, I mean, that that's just so exciting to see him playing good basketball again because you you want the Splash Brothers to be one of those um, duos or just you know guys that stay with the franchise for their entire careers. I think that'd be really cool if the Warriors ended up having two of them, if not three of them. I was with say, Raymond. maybe three, yeah. So for for just like history's sake, I want Clay to be great again, but I want Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to get so good that it doesn't matter. Well, that's a good transition because let's let's go over to the Celtics side of this as we're looking ahead to the game tonight. And so Greg and I are recording this right now on Wednesday afternoon. So we don't have anything official, but reports today did come out of Jalen Brown being a full participant at practice today. So it does look like there is a chance of Jalen Brown to come back to this game. We're looking at the Warriors. Looks like they're basically going to be at full strength. They were also without Andrew Wiggins in that first matchup, which is a very important note. Obviously Rob Williams was out on the Celtic side, but looking like if the Celtics are to get JB back, they're coming off, uh, you know, basically a two and a half day break after that matinee against the Hornets on Martin Luther King Day. This has been one of the longest stretches they've had off in a minute. So if the Celtics are to get back JB in this matchup, Greg, you know, how does that change your view on it? Because I think before this news came out, regardless of what happens, there's there was always going to be that kind of fallback for the Celtics. Well, they didn't have Jalen Brown. Well, if Jalen Brown plays, you know, this is a Warriors team that we've kind of pegged as they're the ones that have our number. And we you've talked about this before. It feels like we kind of have, to a certain degree, you know, the Bucks number and certainly the Nets number over the last, you know, over the last couple of games that we played them and dating back to the postseason. So if Jalen Brown is able to play, does this change your view of the game at all? Well, first of all, yes, it does change my view of the game, but I'm just zooming in on JB's face here. Look at a, a I, first ice of all, cold I didn't know there. if you were doing so for those of you watching on YouTube, I didn't know if you were doing some type of meta work right now where <laughs> does it change your view of the game? You were changing the view to Jalen Brown's face and just kind of zooming in. I was like, wow, this is some A plus work for my guy over there. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, just just look at JB. Don't you just love JB? I'm so happy to hear this report that JB will probably, I, I would imagine he's going to play. I was kind of having that feeling. I just didn't want to put it out there because there were no reports that he was aiming to play in this game against the Warriors. This is why I love Jalen Brown. He's going to try and play in this game, even if it probably doesn't make the most sense long-term. I, I think if he is um, healthy, Jalen Brown will you know will be on the court. They're not going to rest him if, he, if they're like, you know, you might need one more game. And JB's like, no, I'm good to go. JB will be on the court because he's a gamer. I mean, think about the playoffs a few years ago. I think it was that hamstring injury he had. I think it was in the Buck series. And he came out on the first play of the game. He, he like had a steal and a fast break dunk. And he immediately <laughs> grabbed his hamstring. And everyone's like, JB, what are you doing, man? But he doesn't care. He's going to go out there and just hoop. And that's why I love Jalen Brown. So in this matchup against the Warriors, if JB is able to play, I'm really looking forward to seeing what JB and JT learned, right, from the first matchup against them when they looked a little overmatched, making a lot of the same mistakes they made in the finals. And secondly, how the Celtics have taken these last three games without Jalen Brown or four games, whatever it was, and three games, right? Mm-hmm. 
three games and what lessons they are able to take from that and implement with JB back in the lineup. Are we going to see more Malcolm Brogdon? Are we going to see a little bit more Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett, you know, in that rotation? How is Joe Missoula going to think about the lessons that he learned as a coach without JB and then implement it with the full complement of players? And then obviously the Robert Williams factor, the fact that he's back, you mentioned that. I'm so excited for that because I maintain the Celtics would have won the finals last year if Rob Williams was healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's a distinct possibility. It's funny, I went back and I was looking at some of the stats from the finals. And when you kind of look at a lot of the team stats, other than turnovers, it's either basically a net neutral or the Celtics won. And mm-hmm. so it's it's tough looking back. And, and even I can't remember which which uh, show I was listening to recently where they were saying it felt like going into that matchup, the Celtics were the more talented, more talented team. But obviously that championship pedigree. And I think to a degree, you know, the Celtics running out of, of stamina and also health, you know, were big, fa- were major factors in why they weren't able to pull that out. And so, like you said, Rob Williams being back and seeing what, because he clearly wasn't at full strength during that postseason. You might get one or two possessions, and then all of a sudden it didn't look right. That was just kind of the constant theme of when Rob Williams was on the court last postseason. So seeing what that looks like, I think, is is a very important thing that I'll be looking for, as well as that Malcolm Brogdon addition, because this was one of the reasons that it was so big going into the offseason when we got Malcolm Brogdon. And during that first matchup, I remember you and I talked about we didn't really get, and and to your point of Joe Missoula learning some lessons along the season, in that first matchup, it felt like he got off to a good start in the first half, and then we didn't really see enough of him in the second half. So Malcolm Brogdon is on a roll right now. He's really trying to cement. That's another game within the game here. Him cementing, you know, his place in the sixth man of the year, you know, contest with Jordan Poole on the other side, even though he started like half the game. So I don't really know how that works as far as what makes you eligible and not eligible, but they're two of the top contenders for that award. So I think in this game, the impact that Brogdon and Rob will have or can have is going to be really telling as to what that would have meant in the finals last year. If you had that version of Rob, if you had another guy that, when Tatum was struggling to score, you had a third guy that you could say, hey, we need someone else to step up here and get us 15 to 20 or even 25 points. Mm-hmm. And now you have a guy in Malcolm Brogdon can do that, that can do that. How much does that shift what this game looks like and what a finals last year and what a potential finals rematch this year could look like? And I think those are going to be some of the most intriguing games within the games. For sure. And I'm looking at the box score and some stats from the first rematch this year. Um, the, the one stat that really jumps out to me, total rebounds, uh, Warriors out rebounded the Celtics 53 to 39. That felt like a problem in the finals last year, the inability to keep Kevon Looney off the boards. Um, they had 11 offensive rebounds to our six. And then in terms of assists, 26 assists for the Warriors on 47 baskets. Celtics only had 17 assists on 38 baskets, and that is far below our season average, which is probably around uh, you know high 20s or, or low 30s right now. We are moving the ball at an a, alarming rate for the rest of the NBA. So only 17 assists, and it felt that way. The Warriors and the way they play defense, they're a switch-heavy team, especially against the Celtics. So that kind of necessitates isolation ball if you don't trust um, the process and trust the cutting and setting those screens and continuing to relocate and move without the ball. So, you know, if, if the Celtics are able to win the battle of the boards 
and able to play close to their level of normal team basketball and the basketball that we've seen of late. I would expect the Celtics to be able to come away with this, especially, you know, to to go down 2-0 to the Warriors in the regular season. After before the finals last year, I always felt like we matched up well against the Warriors. It seemed like we played them well and that like Tatum always uh, rose to the challenge of playing against Curry. And then all of a sudden the finals, it just didn't happen. And now the narrative is flipped. But I, I, I still think that if the Celtics are able to win this game and win it in the fashion that I think they're capable of, it's going to start to, you know, uh, exercise some of those demons. And I think, I think we will see that, especially with the Warriors being five and 17 on the road this year. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a game where, you know, it's, it's the middle of January. I think both of these teams are going to be ramped up for this game and amped, ramped and amped for this game uh, just because it is that finals rematch. And these are the type of games, like you said, the Warriors get up for the Celtics need to be prepared for that. And I think even though they have a five and 17 record on the road, the Warriors are not going to come out like a five and 17 uh, record on the road type of team. So I think this is going to be a dogfight. I'm super excited for this game to see what it looks like. And I would love for JB to be there so we can see kind of all angles to it. And, you know, I I think the Celtics do ultimately pull this one out. Obviously, we're very biased on this show. We cover the Celtics. Of course, we're going to be looking for the Celtics to pull this off. Uh, And I think, you know, mentally, this would actually be more than just one victory for the Celtics, despite what you said, which I do agree with. And I think before the finals last year, it felt like, hey, this is not a bad matchup. And even you think back to when Marcus Smart was on uh, the JJ Reddick podcast, he did that live podcast in Boston. And he was probably a little bit overzealous in saying this, but he was talking about how the year that we lost to LeBron in in seven games with basically the young kids and Marcus and Al and Marcus Morris and, and so on and so forth, no Kyrie, no Hayward, that they would have beat the Warriors. That was the Warriors team with Kevin Durant. There's no effing chance that was happening. Yeah. He would have got absolutely demolished. I'm just going to say that right now. Just zero chance. But it spoke to the confidence that Marcus felt like the way they matched up with the Warriors, right? And the mm-hmm. way that they had played them over the years, even dating back to the Isaiah Thomas teams, it felt like the war, like the Celtics played them pretty well. And so it was a little bit disheartening to see the way that it played out in the finals, obviously, and then how that translated to the first game. And so I think the second game, the Celtics are going to be looking to get more than just one regular season win and kind of show the world that there isn't a team that necessarily has their number. But with that, there is a little bit of wrinkle here, Greg. So earlier today, and this will be probably the last thing we talk about before we wrap up here, it'll be a quicker podcast today for those listening, is Brian Robb of Mass Live reported that the Warriors have some interest in Peyton Pritchard. And obviously, this is rumor season. You know, just like hot stove season in baseball, this is rumor season in basketball, and the rumors are flying. They're out there and they're flying around, baby. And so obviously we got some news of Jacob Pertle, potentially your Jakob, Jakob Pertle, is that how you say it? It's Jakob, Jakob. Right? Jakob. That's why I don't want him. I need that hard jet. <laughs> Jakob Pertle potentially being a candidate for the Celtics. I don't really see it. I think it's going to be tough to really get there and have it make sense. Peyton Pritchard is a guy that we've thrown about here as if the Celtics are going to make a move, a significant move. He's likely going to be involved in one way or another, whether it's a TPE or it's piling his contract with Gallinari's. And so the interest that the Warriors have in Peyton Pritchard is a little bit interesting. What do you make of of the report? Although there wasn't a ton to it other than just there being interest. But what are your thoughts on the Warriors looking at a guy like Peyton Pritchard? 
Well, I don't think it's um, legal for them to have Pritchard and DiVincenzo on the same team because they're basically the Spider-Man meme. Um, <laughs> so if we're if we're gonna make that move, I would love to get Dante back, but Dante is a better player than Pritchard. But yeah, I, I'm I'm just throwing. Out, I don't know. I haven't read Brian Robb's report. I don't know what. There's not much to it. It's it's basically just that the Warriors have been been looking at Peyton Pritchard as a guy, and that's you know he's one of the only guys on the Celtics that would be available. He you know he's great from distance. He can handle the ball. They've had some injuries they've been using ty jerome and anthony lamb who are on uh, i believe either they're both on g league contracts but they've been playing basically full rotation minutes actually i really i've always kind of liked ty jerome and i really like what i've seen from anthony lamb in the games that i've checked in on the celtics but i think it's just more a a depth question for the for the warriors and the fact that you know the way he handles the ball and the way that he can shoot the ball it kind of fits their their system what what do we get back in that in that deal well, so that's the point. I, I went to try to look and figure out what would make sense. And honestly, DiVincenzo was the first guy I looked at because he's making about, I think it's like four and a half million to five million. So you could kind of make that work with one of the TPEs, but that wouldn't make any sense. That's that's not going to be a trade that they're looking at. The closest I could see is maybe a Jamichael Green, but that's not really doing much for me anyways. Like I think I'd rather have the depth with, with Pritchard. I don't know if Jamichael, because for me, when I look at the Celtics making a move, this is just in general. I think wing depth is what I've decided. If we're going to make a move, that's what I would find worth worth the while to move Pritchard and or Pritchard slash Gallo to go get something would be in that realm as opposed to whatever the hell it's going to cost to get to get Pirtle, which is going to be, I think, too far above what the Celtics want to spend. Or, you know, a guy like Michael Green, I'm just not sure if that's the answer. But I think that would be the area that I, I look to is someone that could kind of be in that 3-4 type range to spell some minutes in that area. Yeah, I've always liked Jamichael Green to some degree. Um, he can shoot the three a little bit. He's probably what, like six eight, six nine. Um, plays. I think he plays a little bit bigger than than his listed height. But I, I don't know that I would make that deal either. Um, it's it's just it seems like a, a strange report to come out, and I don't see that happening. It's kind of weird to think about the Warriors and Celtics trading two just yeah. because of the finals rematch. I mean this. This might be one of those, and I, and I mentioned this on the last part. This is one where maybe it's a you know a, a larger three or four team deal, and the Celtics are getting something else, but from a different team. Yeah. And, and yeah. Pritchard's going that way. Um, but yeah, one to one, it's hard to find a match that really makes a ton of sense. So you know, I, other than it just being an interesting note that maybe this is kind of the player that the player type that the Warriors are looking for, I don't think there's going to be much more to it. Um, but we'll have to see. I'm sure, you know, over our next couple of episodes leading up to the trade deadline, there's going to be plenty of rumors for us to talk about. Well, well, uh, let me, let me, it's, it sounds like you were going into Will's about to wrap the episode up there. So I just want to, I do, but does the one more thing King have something? The for one me? more thing might have 10 more minutes in it. I'm not, I'm not sure right now, but if, if, <laughs> if you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at mini minnow. I did tweet out a link to a uh, Google doc in which I tried to figure out how the Celtics rotation could look to get Sam Hauser's uh, squirt gun, Sam out of the rotation and to get Pritchard into the rotation with JB back. I hadn't considered what I now realize to be important is that Luke Cornett probably needs a few minutes here and there. This is like rest of the regular season, but I'm going to tweet that out again for people that are listening. Take a look at what you think about those rotations that, that I've outlined and see if something interests you. Now, Will, as we're looking at this Twitter screen, I know you just took it off the screen for our YouTube people, but 
Kelly Olenek is trending right now. So I just want to do a little exercise here <laughs> and figure out why Kelly Olenek is trending. Because maybe he got traded. I don't know. What happened? Uh, I have not seen anything yet. So let's take a look here. I don't why believe it's Kelly Olenek trending. Uh, people are talking about the Kelly Olenek game. Okay, so I guess John Wall. Is oh, I, I know, I know what it is. Game. So, so John Wall. I don't know if it was an interview he had or or where he was speaking, but he was talking about how the LeBron Cavs did not want to see that John Wall and Brad Beal team. I think he may have said that they, they would have. They, they, he thought that they would have beat the Cavs that year had they gotten by the Isaiah Thomas squad. So most likely that's bringing up, bro, you, you're talking about beating LeBron. You couldn't beat Kelly Olenek in okay. game seven. So <laughs> that's where I believe that, that that is trending from. And then we have another trending topic here, Nia Long. So we have to click on that. I guess this, <laughs> this is, is just, just a live Google search right? yeah, this or a live is... Twitter search. Okay. And um, it's just... This is just Nia Long being beautiful. That's why Nia Long. Yeah, is, she has a new movie out on Netflix, I believe. Okay, okay, still the baddest Nia Long. Shout out to you. Yeah. Um, any anybody else trending here? Maybe this should this should be a new little segment here at the end of the pod. Whenever we need to fill some extra time, it's just trending to- <laughs> trending just topics see, on Twitter. Hey, and just see what happens. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, for those of you that stay tuned to that. I do appreciate y'all hanging in there for our Twitter search session that Greg and I had here live on air. And if you were watching us on YouTube, which, by the way, if you're not following us on YouTube, you should be. We are starting to stream all of our podcast recordings to our YouTube page. So make sure you go ahead and follow us there as well as clips that we'll be cutting up and putting up onto YouTube as well. You can find those typically on our Twitter and Instagram pages. But Hopefully you guys enjoyed our Twitter search that we just took you through here and that's going to do it for this episode. Are we sure? Wait, is that going to do it, Greg? Or do we have, we have well, anything else? Let me see. If if you want some more, like more well thought out planned end of an episode content, go back and listen to the last first to the floor episode um, on this, on this very feed. I thought they did a great job doing the Boston Celtics uh, face off activity that they did uh shout out to the first of the floor guys they're also doing a playback room for the game tomorrow um against the warriors it's so funny though listen to those guys because um a, c- a couple thoughts on them right one because they're in us some of them are in australia they talk about the game like a day ahead so he's like the game on friday i think it was jake that was talking <laughs> about the game on friday and it got me really confused because it's actually for us the game on thursday and then i started thinking about the australian accent a little bit and there are some times where i think it sounds like very classy you know and very charming and then mm-hmm. other times i'm like it, it also sounds very similar to a boston accent you know from time to time certain words and then i start thinking about like Man, is the Australian accent actually charming? And is it like an elevated accent? Or is it actually more of like a trashy Boston accent? Is it like, is it just because I grew up in Boston that the Boston accent like sounds trashier to me? No, no, it, it just definitively is trashy. There's there's no way around it. It's it's incredibly trashy. It, but hey, listen, I had it too, and I still have it in certain words. I was talking about this the other day. The first time, so I always, I, I did, to be fair, I didn't know that I had a Boston accent for a long time. Growing up in, you know, in high school and stuff, Greg and I would go to school with guys from, you know, from Charlestown or Southie that was like, oh my God, that this is exactly what everyone thinks everyone from Boston sounds like, but it's just not the truth. Go to college. My first college job, I was working for local Bridgewater Television when I went to Bridgewater State. 
And I did my hey, Will, first ever. Real, real, real quick, can you give me the words I have to type into YouTube right now to find? I, I don't have off the top of my head because you have to do like a, a certain. It takes a minute. It's it's okay, not okay. not for now. But we, we we've sent it out before. We'll look it up and, and tweet it out again. But the first highlight reel that I put together. So the Bridgewater State Bears. So I had to say the word Bears about twenty times in the highlight. And when I heard myself on video for the first time, I was mortified. I was, <laughs> I was shell shocked that this is how I sound, that I'm the exact accent that I thought everyone else was overdoing as this is the quote unquote Boston accent was just me. It was just how I talked every single day. And I think since I've moved away from Boston, it's, it's not quite there as much. It comes and goes. Um, you know, we live down, we live down here in Austin. I, still, I think you have it at times probably more than I do. Our friend Ted, who we've talked about before in the show definitely still has it more than the two of us. But, you know, when I think of that Australian accent, I don't think of it as trashy as the Boston accent, which sorry to all of you out there that have Boston accents. It just, it is what it is. It yeah, doesn't, but mean, it, it's, it's doesn't mean it can't have its own charm. doesn't mean it can't it's have its very, own charm. It's still very charming. Exactly. I would say the Australian accent is elevated charm to the Boston accent. Yeah, but so like, I've heard a lot of girls talk about how they like the Australian accent and like as a guy, when a girl has an Australian accent, um, I'm into it. You know, I like it. I, I, I think it's very, are you, into a, are you into a girl with a Boston accent? Okay. So here's the thing though. <laughs> there are also a lot of people out there that like think a guy with like a really strong Boston accent is super sexy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so no, no, like, I know. So that's the thing about the, the Australian. That's what I'm kind of like trying to get at here. Just thinking through this out loud with you. Is it just because we grew up there? And it is like a little bit, there's a more of an edge to it. Like the Australian accent doesn't necessarily have quite the edge and the grit that I think the Boston accent has, but it's listen to those guys. Yeah. It's, it's friendlier, right? It's like they, you, you want to be bros with, you know, Australian dude at the bar, a Boston guy that you meet at the bar. You're like on your, you know, on it's your a toes, 50, like, 50 chance. Yeah, when you, is, when, he gonna, when you start is he, talking, is he going to bottle me right now? <laughs> is like when he puts his hand on my shoulder, is he actually being friendly to me? Or is he showing me like, Hey brother, like, say one more word to me, take a walk. Like, let's yeah. go outside. Bit, a, bit you know, of an so. alpha move, like just letting you know, like, hey, you, you say one more thing I don't like, this can go a lot differently for you. Yeah, and then when you look into, yeah, I mean, I do not miss the uh, the bar scene in Boston being 21 years old and expecting every single night to turn into a fist fight on the street. Yeah, the one night that happened out here in Austin, Texas, it was it was pretty alarming considering we've been out here 10 years. It's happened once and it felt like, you know, in the handful of years, I was 21. One of the few times I've been, you know, I, I moved out here when we were 22. So wasn't even in Boston that long as a 21-year-old. And it was a regular occurrence for about a six to eight month span. So definitely some some major differences. Uh but yeah, well, I was not expecting us to go that deep into the accent. I told I told you I had 10 more minutes in me. You had 10 more minutes in you. You weren't lying. But uh, I think now we're going to put a bow on this episode here <laughs> of Green with Envy. Hopefully you're all set for the Celtics and Warriors to go down tonight. We will be back on Monday to recap that game, the Raptors game, and get you set for the next week of Celtic action. With that, Greg, I think you've already given us all the thoughts that we needed today. But what are we going to hear on the way out? You're going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We're called Black Sheep Optimus, and this one is called Skywalk. Peace out. Peace.
I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody, that's what go with the flow I could sing a different song if I could not hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now, but I won't